This edition of How To Be A CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. ES Audio. I mean, there are dream jobs, right? Everyone has their own astronaut, athlete, having your own ice cream parlor on a beach. All exciting. But running a beer company. That's got to be pretty high up on the list for a lot of people. I joined because I just always had a love of consumers, consumer behavior um, and brands and how brands interacted with them. And then I also joined because, you know, I love the category. It's a category I participate in almost every day. And I just thought this company had the best brands in the world. Brian Perkins is the president of the Budweiser Brewing Group in the UK and Ireland, a job he took over in December 2021, just as the world was recovering from the pandemic. If you think about the pub as a, as a, as a human invention has given a lot to you know, happiness over the history of the human race. Were the pub not to exist, life would be worse. And I would say the same for beer. I'm David Marsden from the Evening Standard. So Brian became president of a huge brewer in a year when, yes, we were all allowed out of our houses again, but the cost of living crisis was just about to bite. So when we meet, the first thing I want to know is, have those two events changed entertainment, a night out, the way that people drink? The answer is yes and no. So I think people's fundamental relationship with beer hasn't changed for thousands of years. It's something that, you know, brings people together, brings warmth, brings joy, brings connection. It's kind of why I love working in the industry. But the ways in which people do it have been disrupted in the last years. Uh, The obvious one is during COVID, bars, pubs and restaurants were closed. People could only consume beer at home. They learned how to be at home much better. So they invested in their homes that people bought bigger TVs, nicer sound systems, better cooking equipment. They learned to cook. Um, They became better at entertaining. And a lot of those investments are still there. So now that we've come out of the pandemic and pubs, bars and restaurants are open again, even though on the first day everything opened up, we all the number one thing we all wanted to do was meet in the pub. Those habits have stuck. So actually more consumption is happening in people's homes now than than in in the pre-pandemic times. But are they drinking the same kinds of things that they did in the pre-pandemic time? Have tastes changed? Have styles changed? Again, a little bit of yes and no. So the no is 
there was a trend that was happening in beer before the pandemic for a long time, which is called premiumization, which is just this trend of people probably drinking fewer servings per week, but willing to pay more for the servings they had. So buying nicer and nicer beers. And so you saw this big growth in kind of imported lagers and things like that and craft and uh, specialty beers. Now that that trend has been going on for a while. Um, actually, we thought that in COVID, people might have gone to sort of more value-oriented offerings, but they didn't. They continued to buy nice beers for them to have at home. And so that trend kind of was there before COVID, there during COVID, and it continues to surge right now. So in that sense, people are still wanting to what we call trade up, treat themselves uh, with affordable luxury within beer. What we have seen, though, is uh, growth in a couple of interesting segments. So the non-alcoholic beer segment is really surging. The low alcohol beer segment is surging. And then also a growth we see in a, what we call kind of near beer, uh, ready to drink products. So canned cocktails and things like that. I think that these are all growth segments in the market and they are all related to health and wellness trends. We see more women coming into the beer category and that drives some of these segments as well. So a little bit of differences in taste, but the fundamental trend of people wanting to buy nicer and nicer beers that's continuing. I'm interested in the rise of the low and non-alcoholic beverages. Is that because of cultural changes or is it because those drinks have got better themselves? Do they taste better than they did 10 years ago? Uh, a bit of both. So definitely a rise in abstention, let's say, from alcohol, from alcohol drinking in, in the country, a rise in the population of certain religious groups. Um, but a big, big driver is actually what you touched on, which is the Production processes for brewing non-alcohol beers have dramatically changed. If you had a non-alcohol beer 15, 20 years ago, it probably tasted awful. And now the brewing process has become so much more finessed that these beers taste absolutely fantastic. And they're, you know, a lot of the beers that we now field, like Corona Zero is our biggest, you know, biggest player in this field. It's winning beer awards you know, against alcoholic beers. And so it, it is actually becoming a delicious way to enjoy beer. You also have a bit of a, let's say, it's like aging population in the country. And there are lots of people who still want to, they want to have that feeling of having a beer. They want to have all the kind of emotional warmth that that brings, but they may for some reason, for health reasons, medication reasons, or just trying to cut back a bit, they may not you know, be able to have the beers they used to have. So this is a you know, big growth opportunity for us with, to keep people participating in the category. I mean, even though you said the relationship between humans and beer hasn't changed in over a thousand years, this is still a really vibrant job for you because things do change. You have no idea what's going to happen next, do you? Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say there's just a lot of volatility in the environment at the moment. You know, you take a look back at the last 12, 15 months, we've had three prime ministers, uh, the secondary effects of a European war, you know, advanced inflation, now a cost of living crisis. Beer is the story of, of people uh, and it always has been for the history of the world. So when, when there's volatility in the environment for people, there's volatility for beer as well. And that volatility can be bad, but it also is great because it shakes up the industry. It offers you chances for new opportunities. So for example, uh, we have a direct to consumer business. So of course we sell beer to, uh, to retailers and to pubs. But we also sell directly to consumers with a product called Perfect Draft, which is a, an in-home draft beer machine. And 
this absolutely boomed during the pandemic because people wanted to replicate the pub experience in home. And now we have these machines in more than 200,000 households in the UK. So there's more machines of perfect draft in homes than there are pubs in the UK. So this is an example of, let's say, volatility creating an opportunity for a great beer experience and a great moment for innovation and technology in the space. So even though the category has been around for thousands of years, you're absolutely right that there are all sorts of interesting ways and you know high growth segments and opportunity areas for us. Yeah, I'm really interested in how the technology itself adapts in the industry. That changes all the time, doesn't it? It changes all the time. And, and I think that one of the biggest efforts we, we've had is to try and technologize a relatively manual industry. So this is a traditional industry. And until very recently, you know, sales reps were going into shops, bars, restaurants and taking orders on a piece of paper with a pencil and taking it back to, you know, a depot and you know, transmitting the order and things like that. So there's huge opportunities to advance that. Um, and the biggest the biggest thing that we're doing is deploying our uh, e-commerce platform, which is called Bees in the industry. So this is an ordering platform in the same way that you or I might use Amazon on our phone to order things to our house. This is a chance for retailers or pubs to order directly from us or from wholesaler partners on an app. And it, you know, it doesn't sound super revolutionary, but for the category, uh, it's highly revolutionary. And this is a product that as part of the big global company that I get to be a part of, we've rolled out to more than 20 markets around the world, the same technology product. And it's actually now more than $30 billion of value transacts through this platform uh, annually, which makes it one of the top 10 e-commerce platforms in the world. And it was started by a beer company. So it's another example of how there's really rapid innovation and large scale innovation happening, even in a category that says as ancient and fundamental as beer. What's interesting in that is how it is supporting the pub, the pub. We have to save the pub, Brian. So many of them have struggled recently with the cost of living crisis, the pandemic. How does a company like yours and should a company like yours support bars, restaurants around the UK and I guess across the world? I love that you asked this question. Um, we absolutely all have to support pubs and bars because for the simple fact that life would be far worse without them. If you think about the pub as a, as a, as a human invention has given a lot to you know, happiness over the history of the human race. Uh, were the pub not to exist, life would be worse. And I would say the same for beer. So we've been working really, really hard to try and support pubs. It's a, it's a really tough job to run a pub at the moment. You think about it, you've come out of two years of COVID, which was a nightmare for obvious reasons. The industry hasn't recovered yet. Uh, not all consumers have come back out to the pub yet, or when they do come, they're not staying or dwelling as long in the pub. Then your energy costs are going up. Your labor costs are going up. Uh, you can't find labor because the labor market's tight and there's not as much participation in the workforce and so on and so forth. And then, you know, your suppliers are probably putting up pr the price of everything, you know, food, ingredients, napkins, beer is all going up. So it's a it's a really, really tough moment for pubs. And we have a, we have a task force and have had since the beginning of COVID on how can we try to you know, stimulate more footfall to pubs? How can we try and drive more people to pubs? How can we try and help pubs out? You know, coming out of the pandemic, we ran a campaign called Stella Tips, uh, which was this idea that in the first month after the reopening, if you ordered a pint of Stella Artois in a pub, you automatically tipped 
paid by us, uh, the bar staff one pound. These were people who whose livelihoods had been wiped out over two years. So it was a chance to try to get some more money back in, in their pockets. Then we followed that up with a campaign called Stella Please, because there was this strange trend after the lockdowns ended where hospitality staff were suffering a lot of uncourteous and rude behavior. So they were getting kind of shouted at or um, you know, people being mean to them. I guess because people were, you know, frustrated and still tense coming out with all the, you know, post-COVID restrictions, you had to order from your table and all these kind of irritations. You had to book a table, you had to be evenly spaced, and they were taking out on the stuff. So we introduced another program where if you said, please, as a consumer, uh, when you ordered your pint of Stella, it was an automatic donation to Hospitality in Action as a charity. Um, and so we're working on a couple more follow-up initiatives now to try and save the pubs and try and help the pubs because it's vital to, I mean, it's not only vital to my business and vital to the economy, it's just vital to human happiness. Uh, and so we, we, we really have a big vested interest in, in doing it. Okay, let's go to the ads. While they're on, hit your follow button. And also, if this is your first visit to How to Be a CEO, go and have a look at the back catalogue. We've had some incredible names on the show with loads of great advice and some really good stories. It's all waiting for you on your podcast provider. And I guess you have to take a massive holistic approach too. I know Budweiser has been involved in initiatives like Walk Safe Plus. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, yeah, so we have this idea where we want to try to create a, a healthier nighttime economy. And that's hard in a cost of living crisis because people are, for financial reasons, discouraged from going out. And also because there's a risk that the streets become less safe. Because when people are going through tough times, you know, crime rates can rise. And, you know, if you're if you're a young person on your own, if you're part of a vulnerable group, if you're a woman and you need to get home, you know, and the cost of a taxi has gone up significantly, you might decide to walk. And so all of these can become potential impediments to you actually wanting to go out to the pub in the first place. And that's bad for, uh, you know, everyone, as, as we just talked about. So one of the initiatives that we... Uh, we worked on was to was to find a lead partner and a thought leader in this space, which was this company called WalkSafe. And they have an application that helps anyone, but is particularly pertinent for vulnerable groups to find a safe way home. So it will show them a safe route home. It will highlight areas in which crime incidents may have happened. It will show safe spots to them uh, where they can be helped. And th this application is growing like wildfire. And we partnered with them to actually uh, market their application to consumers and to put marketing materials inside pubs so that people who are going to the pub could actually, you know, learn how to download this and use it. And they've been a brilliant partner. And it's one piece of the puzzle, but it's all around this idea of like, how do you make it more appealing and safer and more inclusive to bring people out to the pub and make sure they get home safely? Brian, when you joined the Brewer all those years ago, it's been a while, were you expecting to do things like this? Did you anticipate that your role would take in a massive cultural aspect to it as well as, you know, trying to drive a business? That's a, that's a really thoughtful question. Um, thank you for asking it. 
I joined the company 12 years ago and I've had the privilege of working all over the world with this company and now doing the dream job of being the CEO here for UK and Ireland and Western Europe. I joined because I just always had a love of consumers, consumer behavior um, and brands and how brands interacted with them. And then I also joined because, you know, I love the category. It's a category, like I said, been around for thousands of years, bringing people together. And it's uh, made with 100% natural ingredients. It's a category I participate in almost every day. Um, and so I believe in it. And I just thought this company had the best brands in the world with, you know, Budweiser and Corona and Stella Artois and all these great brands. So I really joined more for those reasons, to be honest with you. The surprise or additional benefits along the journey have been just how global uh, the company is. So the chance to work in all these different countries and see how consumers interact with beer and how beer explains consumer behavior all over the world. And then as I've become more senior in the company, there's just been this amazing chance to use the scale and power and cultural pull that we have to try to change the world. So for me, highlights include in a previous role, I ran the Budweiser brand globally um, and we decided to make all of our Budweiser in the world uh, brewed with 100% renewable electricity. This wasn't just a marketing campaign. I mean, this was real additionality. We signed many agreements that ended up, you know, financing the construction of solar fields and wind turbines and things like this. And I, you know, I got to go to Davos and announce this and get partners on board. And you know, we got to communicate it through the brand. And it was just such a highlight for me because I was like, wow, I'm pinching myself. I get to work for a beer company. I get to work on Budweiser. Um, but I also get to use this moment to try to move things forward a little bit in the world and do something that I care about. So I think these types of things or the walk safe example I just gave you or another example, if you permit me, is uh, something that we're doing in the industry right now to try to tackle harassment and discrimination, which is something that plagues the industry. Uh, you know, we found out that nine out of 10 people who work uh, in the hospitality industry have suffered some kind of some level of harassment or discrimination in their roles. And it's been going on for a while. No one's really solving it. And we've launched a campaign called It Stops With Me, which is a, a kind of very positive and proactive call to arms for everyone to just call this behavior out when they see it and stop it. And we have created this campaign internally, shared it across the industry, shared it with other big consumer packaged goods companies. Uh, and it, and it, it is growing and, and spreading faster than we thought because people want to be a part of it. If you are lucky enough to work in a relevant category that people love, that has gravitational pull with great brands that you can use to communicate, uh, then you can launch these initiatives that try to make the industry you're in, the world around you, better, safer, more progressive, uh, more inclusive, uh, and that's been a great privilege of of working here. I guess that is one of the key differences or big advantages of working with such a big company like Budweiser. In comparison to a small company just starting up like a microbrewery, once you get into a certain scale, is there a responsibility from that company and the people in it to change the world? Yeah, well, I, I think that you have a responsibility as a, as a global citizen, as a corporate citizen. I think the way society is going is... It, Unless people feel that you are a net positive to society, 
your ability to operate is going to be highly curtailed in the future. And that's not really that that's not why we sit around and think up these ideas and do them. We we do them because we're excited by them and they galvanize our people and they become a huge draw for talent as well who want to work here. Um, there's many other benefits to doing these things. But I think that fundamentally, you know, people need a hundred years from now to look around and go, you know what? Life's better having that company with those brands around because they're helping here, here and here, because they're employing people here, here and here, because they're driving the conversation forward, because they're making the category safe and inclusive and respectful and dignified. And if you're not doing that, then what are you doing? Because, uh, I mean, we can all we there's plenty of ways just to go and make money. But you also want to be able to tell your kids one day why you did what you did and why you chose to spend your time the way that you did. So I do think there's a responsibility and there's also an obligation. That was Brian Perkins from Budweiser. For more interviews, news and analysis, go to standard.co.uk forward slash business. How to be a CEO is back on Monday morning. We'll see you then. <laughs>